We're going to take a few minutes, if you will, if you'll turn your Bibles with us to St. John chapter 17. St. John chapter 17, I am aware of the time. That probably means nothing, but I still am aware of it. This is one of the greatest chapters in the Bible. Now, as most of you know, for the last several months, we've been on developing relationships, developing relationships. And we started out with developing a relationship with God, because that's number one. You know, you can have family, you can have church, you can have whatever. But if you don't start out with God, it means nothing. And we started out a relationship with God. And, of course, we went through that extensively, talking about how that Adam and Eve had a wonderful relationship in the garden. And then, of course, they, they sinned and lost that relationship. And then yet God Almighty had a plan to bring man back into fellowship with him. See, that's what's so great about Christianity. It's about a relationship, not just a religion. And then we talked about the relationship with the family, and that's number two, and how important the family is. We talked about marriage, the marriage relationship, what it means to uh, be married to a wife or a husband, and, and a lot of good things went there. What I'd like to do today, if you'll bear with me for a few minutes, is talk about the relationship the church has with the world, our relationship as believers with the world, and we're reading from St. John chapter 17, beginning with verse 6. I have manifested, this is Christ talking, and he says, I have manifested, or that word there, I have revealed your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. Now, I'm going to be talking a lot about the world today, and I'm going to explain that in just a moment. Be talking a lot about the world. Notice how many times this word is used. They were yours, you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me. And they have received them and have known surely that I came forth from you. And they have believed that you sent me. Verse 9. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I'm glorified in them. Now, I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. I love this and the fact that Jesus Christ is talking about his ongoing relationship with the Father and the unity between Jesus and the Father. Jesus and the Father, and also about the relationship between each other that the church has, and he deals with this extensively here. You're talking about the Lord's Prayer. Someone says, what is the Lord's Prayer? The 17th chapter of the book of St. John is the Lord's Prayer. While I was with them, verse 13 says, in the world I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and None of them is lost except the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in them. I have given them your word and the world was hated 
or has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them, Jesus goes on to say to the Father, by your truth, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify them, sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Father, Add your blessings to the reading of your word and speak to our hearts. May the seed that fall, may it bring forth much fruit. Prepare our hearts to receive. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you do not have an outline of the sermon, please, I'd like for you to have one. The, the, uh, the introduction is very powerful. And I want you to be able to read it with me because we're talking about the world. He says we're in the world. Then he says we're not of the world. We're not in the world. Now, what are we? Are we in the world? What does he mean by saying we're not of the world? What does he mean by saying we're, I'm not of the world and they're not of the world? And then all of a sudden he says you are of the world or, or in the world rather. But I want you to notice, if you will, the introduction because it explains it so well is as is, is good as I've seen it. It says, they are not of the world. The question to ask is, what is the world? Listen at me. What is the world? There are at least three meanings attached to the word world. Now notice these three differences. First of all, the Bible says that there is the created world. God made the world and everything in it. Acts chapter 17, verse 24. That's what you see. That's the earth. That's, that's, that's the world. And keep that in mind. Second, there are the inhabitants of the world whom God loves and for whom Christ died. What does John 3.16 say? For God so loved the what? The world. That's the inhabitants. That's the people. For God so loved the world. And then third, there is the cosmos. There is the world system which is headed by Satan and based upon self, greed, and pride. And my friend, as we talk about he took them out of the world, this is the world that God warns us about. It's not the earth. One songwriter said, everything is beautiful. God made all things beautiful. The mountains, the sea, everything in it. Everything. This world is beautiful. But the, the system... The cosmos that he's talking about certainly is not beautiful. This is the world that God warns us about and is this world system and philosophy that Christians are to shun and to remain free from. And then what I want to do here briefly, if you will, let's look at this relationship from Jesus' prayer with the disciples and the world. And I think if you'll listen at me, and if you'll hang in here just a few minutes, we'll be able to understand more about your and my, the churches, the believers' relationship with the world. And he explains it so well in this 17th chapter. First of all, Roman numeral number one, they are taken out of the world. Wow. But brother Don, we're still in the world. No. 
We're taken out of the world. Notice what we say here. Number one, the followers of Jesus Christ have in spirit been lifted up out of the cosmos, have been lifted up out of the world system established in the kingdom of God. So we're no longer in the, the, the world system. And, and you see the world today and how corrupt it is. You see the evil, the immorality, the sin, the hatred, and all that goes on. That's the worldly system. That's what the church, hallelujah, has been lifted up out of. So the church is taken out of the world. We're not of this world. We're, on, we're in the world on the earth. We are human beings. We are uh, uh, Part of the world as far as that's concerned, but not part of the world as far as, far as the sin and ungodliness godliness is concerned. So number one, they're taken out of the world, talking about the believer, when it comes to relationship with the world. Number two, they are distinguished from the world. I uh, picked up something by Billy Graham, and I thought it was very good, and he talks about how there's no neutral ground. There's no neutral ground. Notice what Billy Graham says. This cosmos has its own entertainment and diversions that so penetrate the atmosphere that it makes the way of the cross seem antiquated and irrelevant. What a statement. In much of the entertainment media fostered by the cosmos, this world, the name of God is profane, sex is glamorized, and high ethical living and Christian moral standards are laughed at. Billy Graham goes on to say, even many Christians are tricked into believing that they cannot enjoy life except as a member of the cosmos crowd. However, the happiest people, he says, I know are separated followers of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. They are not dependent upon artificial stimulants. They do not have to abuse their bodies to relax their minds. The Bible says in your presence, and we sung about that. The first song we sung about. In your presence, Psalm 16 and 11 says, is what? Fullness of joy. We don't have to have the world's trinkets to have joy. We don't have to have the world's stuff to have joy. He goes on to say, Christianity is not a long list of restrictions. It flings open the windows of the real joy of living. The cosmos would have us believe that following Christ is nothing but thou shalt not. And that is so true. The cosmos would have us believe that Christianity is a killjoy, a stolid kind of life, unnatural and abnormal. And then what the world does, they think if you're not on the golf course on Sunday morning, you're abnormal. They think if you go to church a lot, you're abnormal. They think a lot of things about what you and I do as believers, as a church. They think that's abnormal and we're not having fun. And they don't know the fun that we're having. They don't know the excitement. They don't know the joy that goes along with serving Jesus Christ. But the evidence in the Bible is to the contrary. Christ said, I have come that they might have what? Life. Well, I don't have life. They're miserable. I don't care what they do. They lay their head on the pillow at night. They're miserable. 
During the day, they're miserable. And that they may have it, Jesus said in John 10, 10, more abundantly. And those who have been truly converted to Jesus Christ know the meaning of abundant living. Wow. I don't need to say any more. That's just powerful. And it is wonderful to be a believer. It's wonderful to serve God and live for him. One more paragraph. The Bible teaches that worldliness is a force, a spirit, an atmosphere of the cosmos that is in opposition to all that is godly and Christian. It's a goal, or rather, its goal is selfish pleasure. Its goal is material success. And its goal is the pride of life. It is ambitious, self-centered. God is not necessarily denied, and we see that. God is not necessarily denied. He is just ignored and forgotten. My wife and I have noticed lately, we have met a lot of people lately with where we have gone, where this Duke or wherever. We see a lot of people, get to talk to a lot of people. And as you, as you live in this world as a believer, as a Christian, knowing Jesus Christ and having the spiritual sensitivity of the Spirit, you know now, I'm not saying every time you meet someone, you know whether he or she's a Christian, but there's something that resonates with believers. There's something about it. Even, listen to me, even in the entertainment field, if you can find much entertainment that's worth watching, even in the entertainment field, when they come up there, you can tell something about them that, that resonates with your spirit. But the Bible says that we're to be sanctified. What does that mean? It means to be separated. It means to be holy, set apart. So you and I as believers are set apart from the world. Amen? I'm glad I am. Notice, they're distinguished from the world. As soon as we become separated in the spirit from the world, we come under a new set of laws in the kingdom of Grace, Romans 12 and 2 says, and do not be conformed to what? This world. That's the cosmos. That's the system. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And I love Galatians. Galatians 1 and 4, who gave Christ himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God, our God and Father. We've been delivered from that evil generation. Hallelujah. We don't walk hand in hand with the world. We don't walk step in step with the world. They think different, act different, talk different, live different. God's people are different. We are distinguished from the world. Number three, they are in the world. You said, Brother Don, you said we were not in the world. We're in the world bodily, and we're in the world with influence. The more, I mean, next Sunday, I want to talk about that influence. It's great. You do not want to miss it. What kind of influence do you have? What kind of influence do we have? Influence. They're in the world. Not 
listen, not as a man or woman of the world, but as a God person, as a person that's serving Jesus Christ. In the world, not as a, I love this, I love this sentence. Look at number one under, under number three. In the world, not as a branch in the vine, but as a light in the darkness. Not as a man of the world, but as a man of God. Number one, they're taken out of the world, this cosmos. This world don't have anything to offer us. Number two, they're distinguished from the world. Number three, they are in the world, bodily influencing. And number four, they are hated by the world. Don't you fool yourself. The world does not like you. I, in all of my years living on this earth, that's a long time, have never seen so much hate in America as there is today. People are at each other's throat. You say, what makes it? And somebody said, I know what makes it. It's the Democrat and Republicans. No. I'll tell you what makes it. Look at what he says. I don't want to miss this. Look at verse 14. Well, let's go back to verse 13, if you can bring it up. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Now, verse 14. I have given them what? I have given them your word, and notice the connection, the conjunction. I have given them your word and the world has hated them they don't like the word that you got in you if you walk like them talk like them and didn't they say you know you don't have to even preach to people they get around and they feel guilty why because the word of God is there because you live the word of God. Because you have the spirit of God. And you wonder, why do they feel towards me like that? I don't know why they don't like me and why they hate me. Because they don't like the word. They don't like your life. And darkness never did like light. Notice, I want to finish reading that verse 14. It says... I have given them your word, and the word was hated. The world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. The reason they hate you because you're not you're not buddy buddy with them. You don't enjoy their dirty jokes. You don't go to their rotten entertainment. You don't you don't you're not part of their their woof and makeup, and they don't like it. They love it when you join in with them. They love it when you pal around with them and, 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 and commit the same kind of ungodly things. That's why they, they love you. If you drink with them, dope with them, joke with them, do all the ugly things, they'll love you. Or they say they will. They don't. They don't. They'll drop you like a hot potato. See, that's the kind of love the world has. They, they don't have love. They have sensuality. I hate it. There are 
there was no hatred until he had given them the word. This God-given word when received so revolutionized them, the world did not know them. John 15, 18 and 19. Look, look at this. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Verse 19. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Over and over and over again. Now, I want to say something very important. If the world hates you because you're mean, then you need to be hated. And a lot of Christians are stuck in the mud. Christians. They create hatred. If you stand on the sidewalk while a parade goes by that you don't like and scream out you're going to hell, no wonder they hate you. If someone's living a different lifestyle and you act like you don't want to be around them, you act like you don't like them, you don't show them love, you don't reach out with tenderness and kindness. No wonder they hate you. And if they hate you for that reason, then you, you should straighten up. They should not hate us because we're odd. They should not hate us because we treat them ungodly. They should not hate, hate us because we don't show forth the fruit of the Spirit. See, that the fruit of the Spirit is different. And if you show forth the fruit of the Spirit, it makes a difference. They hate you because of the word. Number five, they are kept from the God of this world. How do you live in this world and keep yourself pure and holy? By the very power of God that lives in you. Woo! How do you do it? You face it every day. And there's not a one of you that's spirit-filled. There's not a one of you that has the spirit that you don't feel that pressure every day of your life. Whether you go to work, whether you go to the store. Or, I'm not talking about you got, you, you got a cloud hanging over you. I'm talking about that, that pressure from the world. Look at it again. They're kept from the God of this world. He does not pray that we should be taken out of the world, but keep them from the evil one who rules it. See, he rules this world. And I, I wrote something here. This entire chapter of, of chapter 17 is Jesus' prayer. And from it, we learn that the world is a tremendous battleground where the forces under Satan's power and those under God's authority are at war. Don't you make no mistake about it. You step out of your house in the morning, you're at war with this cosmos. You're at war with, war with this worldly system because it don't like you. And you better be prayed up, packed up, and ready to ball up your spiritual fist and ready to go. They don't like it. They don't like it. He says, keep them from the world. Number six, they're sent into the world. And I'm not going to deal much with this because I want to deal with it next week. 20 and 21 of St. John. So Jesus said to them again, peace be, unto, peace, peace be to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. I want to ask you something. How do you affect the world? 
What kind of influence do you have on the world? What kind of light do you have? How much salt are you to this lonely world? Every believer is a witness. The early church turned their world upside down. Acts 17 and 6. It's time that the church, the church, turned the world upside down. Because we're different. 2 Corinthians tells us that you and I, listen to this, you and I are ambassadors for the Lord. So every day you walk out of your house, every day you go to work, every day you meet with that cosmos, those people out there, every day you meet with the ungodly or whoever, you, my friend, are a shining light and an ambassador for the kingdom of God. Don't that make you feel good? Don't that make you feel good? I love that. Last but not least, they are indwelt for the salvation of the world. The Son has given himself as freely to us as the Father gave himself to the Son, that his great love might triumph in us and through us. And I want to thank Handful of Purpose, the series number seven, for helping me with that. Listen, you and I, have God's love. Brother Matt, would you come? You and I have been in, I love this, I love this message. I hope you, I, I've, I've hurried through it, but, but take it and study it. Take it and study it and, and, and let it, let it minister to you. We need, you and I, as, as Jesus, listen to me, as Jesus loved the world, you and I need to love the world. Listen to me. As Jesus made an impact on the world, you and I need to make the same impact on the world. And we can. So it says, I can't be like Jesus. Well, look at what Luke says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. You say, oh, but that was Jesus. That's you. Not only was that Jesus, that's you. Because he has anointed me, number one, to preach the gospel to the poor. Number two, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the recovery of sight to the blind. To what a call we have. What a call on our life, he says, to set at liberty those that are oppressed. You've been called. You said, but Brother Don, I'm too young. You're not too young. Brother Don, I'm too old. You're not too old. Brother Don, I've not been trained. You don't have to be trained, but it's good to be trained, but you don't have to be trained. Brother Don, I don't know what to say. Just give you testimony. The blind man, they asked him, is he the one that healed you? He said, I'll just tell you one thing. We're in. And I was blind, but now I see. Can you say that? Wherein I was bound, but now I'm free. Wherein I was lost, but now I'm found. A man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. If you've experienced Jesus Christ, you've got the greatest testimony that anybody's ever got.